When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hi, everyone. This is Pam Stack, your host. You're listening to Authors on the Air. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Stay tuned for my next great guest. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show tonight. I'm so happy you're with me. I hope you are well and safe and enjoying reading good books. I have a great one for you tonight. Um, My guest is New York Times bestselling author and award-winning author, Christopher Reich. His new book is called The Palace. It is book three in the Simon Risk novel series. A super fun read. Thriller, yes. Uh, About spies, yes. My kind of book, Capers. So I want to tell you a little bit about Christopher Reich before I bring him on. He was actually born in Tokyo, Japan, not as a military brat, but because his family ran a travel agency that sent Japanese tourists to America. I love that story. Afterward, um, he (laughs) went to this really cool school that's now called Harvard-Westlake for boys and made some really good memories with some of his instructors, which I think is terrific. I don't remember all mine. He also tells me a really great story about Outward Bound. I don't know if you are all familiar with that, but it was very popular back in the day. I wouldn't have to find out if it's still around. To East Africa, we have to remember to ask Chris about the rat. Um, He goes on from there and began his writing career a little bit later on. We are going to talk about that and television just now. Christopher Reich, welcome to Authors on the Air. Pam, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, It is my pleasure, and thank you so much for answering my message on Facebook. I did not know how to get through to you otherwise, but I'm so glad that you agreed. I've been wanting to have you on this show ever since I read the first book in the series. Congratulations on the palace. Well, thank you. It feels good to have it done. Um, You know, when we're writers, we're always finish one book and go on to the next one. So uh, it's great to hear that people are enjoying this book as much as you did. I love all of them. It is just my type of character. This is the kind of book that I grew up reading and and loving every minute of it. So um, I'm sorry that I didn't get you on sooner because I would have liked to have talked to you from the beginning of this series. Never mind all your other books because you've got a bunch of them out. Um, I want to just mention that your novel, The Patriots Club, won the International Thriller Awards for Best Novel in 2006, but you've also got a lot on your resume. Can we talk about it for a little bit? Please go ahead. My pleasure. So I want to know if you have memories about growing up in Japan, because you were pretty young. 
I, I, I yeah. was a very faint memories. What is funny is that I lived there until I was about three and a half, and I uh, grew up really speaking more Japanese than English. We had at the time on a salary of fifteen hundred dollars a month. We had three three housemaids, and so while my mother was happily off at the American Club, smoking her Salem cigarettes and having martinis, I was being raised by by the Japanese housemaids, and. Um, I do have some memories. Mostly, I have memories of, of, of smells and tastes, and a little bit of the people there. So it was a long time ago. Do you remember any of the language at all? You know, I, I I have a few sentences, but what it did do was it really programmed my mind to learn other languages because now I'm fluent in French and German. Uh, I was just in Bolivia with my daughter, and I was picking up some Spanish there too. So you know, they say it's important to learn languages and you start learning them early. And so that was yes. certainly um, a benefit for me. Oh, yeah. Oh, that sounds fabulous. Um, yeah, my niece uh, is trilingual, but she also speaks a little bit of Mandarin. So she has an ear for it. I think you have to have uh, a special gift for it. Um, you know, I, I don't – my banker knows seven languages. I, I can't even name seven <laughs> languages off the top of my head. <laughs> but But that's how uh-huh. it is. You know, you're right. You have to start early. Will you please tell us about your high school years when you spent a summer in Kenya? Because that is such a great well, story. I, I think listeners are going to love this. Well, sure. Um, so, yes, I, I did go to high school in, in uh, Los Angeles. I'm from West L.A., and I went to Harvard School for Boys on Coldwater Canyon Drive. Now, now the wow. famous Harvard Westlake School. It's gotten quite posh and snooty. Um, the, the, quite the institution. Anyhow, uh, after my after my 10th grade year, um, I went to this Outward Bound East Africa school. And Outward Bound, of course, is kind of a famous survival school where you do these 24-hour solos and, and learn how to climb mountains and make fires on your own, kind of like Survivor before Survivor. And, right. Uh, uh, so anyhow, so it was just a great experience. We have to go for six weeks um, at this camp right on the base of Mount Kilimanjaro uh, at a small town called Oloi Tokitok. And it was about 40 students and about 15 instructors. And, and yeah, so it was just, it was very difficult. It was one of those experiences that while you're there, you're not really loving it. But the second it's over, you say, wow, I did that. And you're proud of it. Wow. Is Albert Bound still around, I wonder? Do you know? It is, it is still around and, and more robust than ever. They have a variety of programs in a number of countries around the world. Great institution. Yeah, it really is. I remember a lot of my friends going uh, on Outward Bound. They called them adventures, um, not survival camp, but, I, but essentially that's what it was. They right, were right. adventures. Um, they were. So, so I want you to talk talk about your experience with your your um, cabin mate from Detroit. Okay, <laughs> that's so funny. Because <laughs> it's a great so, story. So you get into a camp like this, and and it's like you know it's a little bit like Lord of the Flies, where everyone's jockeying for position <laughs> who's the strongest and the smartest right? and the fastest. And we had we had one one of our campers uh, named Steve. I, I honestly don't remember his last name, but he was very tough and muscle bound at the age of sixteen, and you know ready to punch everybody that didn't do what he told what he told them. And uh, we bunked in these big rooms with big cabins with stone floors, very spare. And mm-hmm. uh, one night we were sound asleep. You know the lights there were. I think there was one electric bulb in there. It's like ten o'clock at night. We're all going to sleep and telling stories, and it gets kind of quiet. And someone starts snoring, and all of a sudden came, comes this death-curdling scream that would wake the dead. <laughs> what is it? What is it? 
in, in the sky, Mr. Tough Guy Steve was jumping out of his bed, hopping in his box. He goes, there's a rat. There's a rat. He ran across. And he goes, I'm scared to death of rats. <laughs> oh, God. So, oh, uh, my God. So I put him in his place. <laughs> oh, my Poor gosh. Guy. So it turns out it actually wasn't a rat that ran across him, but one of your mates who uh, kind of ran a stinky old sock over his chest. And you said he turned it's into exactly the nicest guy after that. One. He had his he had his come to Jesus moment and turned into a nice guy, right? He did. We often we always have practical jokers, and that is the punchline. Of course, it wasn't really a rat; it was a friend dangling his sock over his chest in his lower. I bunk. love that. So, yeah, That's, a it it That's a great story. It was. That's a great story. Your intention while you were at Georgetown was to go, go into the National Foreign Service. Uh, business. I, I'm not even sure. National Foreign Service. Um, so what happened? Service, yes. How how did well, you? Well, I think college. How did there. you get? I'm sorry. Say it again. No, no. Go ahead. I, I was just wondering what happened that you didn't do that. Although you did graduate with honors in history, um, you ended up being a stockbroker. What? Where did that turn well, come? <laughs> the turn comes basically in the process of, of of getting into the U.S. Foreign Service. It's it's not just because you go to this, you know the Edmund A. Wall School of Foreign Service at Georgetown that you get in. You have to take this standardized test, and it's really mm-hmm. one of the hardest tests to pass. You only I think one or two in a hundred pass the written portion of the test, and then there's the interview portion. And so um, I did not pass that first written portion of the test. And so my chances at the Foreign Service kind of went out the window there. Uh, and, of course, you know, so then I, when I left, I had to find a, a, a backup career. And, and even though I was not one of the best students in finance and economics, I found my way into being a stockbroker. <laughs> Did you enjoy that at all? And that's how you get people to get money. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Uh, did you enjoy doing that? I semi-enjoyed it. Um, it was at the era where uh, the movie Wall Street was coming out with Michael oh, Douglas yeah. and Gordon Gecko. Gordon Gecko, so yeah. Very much, you know, I was driven in that same vein where I just basically wanted to make as much money as I could and didn't care what I had to do you know, to make it. And uh, I always say it's funny, when they talk about Gordon Gecko, I thought he was the hero of the movie. <laughs> You're so you know, funny. I bet jail, you. But that's, that's how, you know, yeah. Didn't didn't they make remake that or do a part two or something of it? I'm I'm not sure. I can't remember. Uh, I, I'm not a, I'm they not a movie buff, but uh, I think they did. Yes, they did. They did. It was Shia LaBeouf starring, and it. it was was not that great, but indeed. Wow. Ah. So where does the writing come in? The writing. It's funny. It's uh, I remember being at Georgetown and, and going to a lecture given by Kurt Vonnegut, the one of the great American yeah. novelists, and yeah. and he said something that always stayed with me. He said, "You know, you really never find the best authors from the English department because they show up from physics and zoology, and you know, in botany and biology." He goes, "You know, many good authors you'll never even take English classes. It's just something they have in them." And so I always kind of carried that with me. Um, I'd always been a good writer. You know, I placed out all my English classes at college, and, and it was something that came easy to me. But it wasn't something I thought uh, of being a career, you know, to do that as a career until later on. And it uh, kind of came about slowly. Um, I had 
left Georgetown. I was a stockbroker, then I became a investment banker. I went got my MBA. I got my MBA at the University of Texas, and then um, went on to work at the Union Bank of Switzerland in Zurich. And wow. it was there that kind of my skills that my skills as a writer, not as a finance guy, came to the forefront. Uh, I was working in mergers and acquisitions. And, uh, you know, when you do these big deals and buy billion-dollar companies, you have to assemble these big deal books, which are like 400-page right. tomes of boring nothingness of just charts and this and that. And they quickly said, right, you're not very good with the numbers. You get to write the deal book. <laughs> so I wow. sat there and I would write the deal book. And then what happened was, the reason why the story is, is amusing, is that one day I get a call from the head of the Swiss bank, uh, Nicholas Sen head of UBS at the time, 1988, 89. And he said, Mr. Wright, come to my office. And I did speak German at the time. And so I was called to his office. I said, this is either very good or very bad. I don't know, you know, what have I done to deserve this? You know, the heads of Swiss banks in Zurich are one step below, you know, the Olympic gods. They're treated with unbelievable respect and they're basically feared. So I walk into this office and he has this big smile on my face and he's holding this latest deal book of this company we were selling. And he put his arm around me, Pam. He said, Mm -hmm. hey, Mr. Reich, he goes, you're our very own Michael Crichton. (laughs) uh, What a wonderful thing to say. This thing I've ever read that's actually, you know, interesting. And uh, he was just very, very kind with his praise. So I guess I tucked that in the back of my head saying, well, one day if I I do want to leave this career, I I might want to become a writer. What a fascinating story, and what a nice thing for him to say to you, your our own Michael Crichton, because in his day, <laughs> he was huge. I mean, he was huge. Um, oh, Michael well, Crichton, you, come on. Yeah, yeah. Um, had you been a big reader throughout your whole life? I have always, Pam, like you, been a voracious reader. Since, wow. since I could read since the age of eight or nine, I was reading a lot. I came from a disciplined family. My father was Swiss. We were not allowed to watch a lot of television. We had a lot of TV-less nights where you had to read. Over the summer, it was one book a week, and then we would discuss it at the dinner table. So this was just ingrained in me. And plus, it just matched. And that's what I loved doing. I mean, I, could, I remember reading uh, The Papillon by Henri Charrière when I was yeah. like nine years old. You know? Right. And it's like I would steal the books off my parents' nightstand, Wings of War, one of my favorites of all time. I remember reading that one. So, yeah, I started yes. early and kept it going. How wonderful. You have such a good foundation then to be writing. How did you chose, choose the genre that you're writing in? I think the, the genre chooses you. There's only one genre I could really? ever write, and that is, you know, I grew up reading the classics. Frederick Forsyth, mm-hmm. Len yes. Dayton, Tom Clancy. Those are the oh, books yeah. I love reading. Robert Ludlum, that's what I'm yes. going to write. There you go. Well, I'm telling you, you've done great. Now, you just rec- your three most recent books are Simon Risk books. This is your new character. Will he continue on? In, will we see more of him? Because he's a really interesting guy. I, I like him a lot because he's got a little bit of the devil in him, and you know that's an interesting character to me. So um, I well, hope that I, you do continue. <laughs> Well, thank you. I, I, I'm planning, I'm hoping he has a very long and successful life. Uh, I do love writing Simon Risk. He is, I think, a hero of, of today. 
a, a person that came from the wrong side of the tracks that is fighting every day to, to, to kind of obey the angel on his shoulder and not the devil. Um, he has a very certain skill set that allows him to do bad things uh, and very bad things in, in the name of seeing a good, a good um, outcome to, to right wrongs and to uh, you know, do what's best for society. So he's basically a good guy, but he's always fighting this, this, this struggle about you know, his past where he uh, was a criminal on the streets of Marseille. He was uh, involved in organized crime. Uh, he would rob armored cars. He would steal cars. And, and then he gets caught and he spends, he spends a number of years in prison, including two years in solitary confinement. And it's upon mm. completing that sentence that he kind of has this miraculous this change and uh, in, in kind of resets his life. But uh, he's a great character to write. He's very earthy, but, of course, handsome or handsome enough and, and just tough as nails. I, I really like his character a lot because there's so many different layers to him. But you have really some very interesting news to tell us about television, don't you? I do, I do. And uh, uh, we've had some great luck with this, this Simon Riss series, and it has been picked up and optioned by Brillstein Entertainment and Entertainment One, the giant Canadian entertainment kind of conglomerate. Uh, that's the same team that did uh, the... Jack Ryan series on Amazon Prime. So we are getting set to start making this into a, a television show for the streaming services. I love that. Congratulations so much. Thank you. Uh, will you have Thank any you. any hand in the script writing, or are you leaving that to the media company that bought the rights? No, they have. We have a showrunner already in place uh, who's writing the the the. the first episodes in, in the Bible for the, for the first season. Uh, we'll bring on additional writers when we get into the later episodes. I am not involved, and that's by both of our choices. I'm a novelist. I'm not a TV writer, and, and they are really two different skill sets. Um, I can't say that the person who's writing it, though I'm not allowed to say his name, has written several other very successful TV shows and motion pictures. Uh, he's cosmopolitan, um, not an American, uh, very much in tune with Simon Risk uh, from his own past. Uh, I couldn't have found a better writer. And, um, you know, from what I've seen in the series will be called The Take after the first book. First um, book. It, it's really headed, headed for a great, a great run. Congratulations. How exciting. Um, I, I want to ask you, were you stunned when your agent sold the rights? Or were you expecting it? I, I wasn't that stunned. I mean, all my almost all my other books have been optioned. Tom Cruise off, option two, uh, uh, Lorenzo de Bonaventura over a Paramount option to several. Uh, my Rules of Deception series has been in and out of development, so I've been a little bit. You know, I, and they all get optioned and then they don't get made. So as a writer, I've been a little bit. What's the word? Become a little bit cynical. But when sure. this deal just developed early in the year with such an incredible team, and started moving so rapidly. You know, and coming to fruition, it was a shock and, and a good shock. And you know, since I met with these people several times, they're wonderful, extremely bright, uh, goal-oriented, and you know, we're getting this made. So that's what's that's what's exciting is this is happening. That's wonderful. I can't wait. I might have to fire up my laptop and find it when it's finally online because uh, I, I I so enjoy it. Um, Chris, let me ask you this: uh, 
are you do you like writing a series character versus writing a standalone or does it matter to you i i don't you know I, because you have so many books in your backlist my gosh you've got like i don't know 17 books or something or 14? 13 books i, I think 14, 14 yeah. yeah 13 14 yeah yeah um that's a good question. I think I, I love writing this character. Let me say this. I love writing the Simon Rose books. And it's, what's, what's enjoyable about it is that I have this group of characters that appear in every book that I like writing. I'm, I'm getting to know them better with each book. But all my mm-hmm. books involve a, a quite a sophisticated, interesting caper or conspiracy or crime yes. that Simon Rose has to get bottom, to the bottom of. And they're wildly different. They're completely different, okay? One, the first book, it involves a secret letter stolen uh, from a Saudi Arabian prince in, in Paris. Uh, the second book uh, involves a, a gambling syndicate in Monte Carlo uh, who's, been, who's, who's robbing the famous casino there. You know, the palace is involved with Simon, starts as a personal mission of saving, going to help a, a good friend who's at a, in a jail in Bangkok and then develops into a huge financial conspiracy worldwide um so each book is really fun for me to research and come up with a a new wildly different story so you get the same characters and completely different stories so you're never going to feel like you're reading the same thing with these books no it really you really don't and i was sold on the character with the take when i got that as my advanced reader copy and have kept that on my main shelf because i do go back to that book every so often if i find a a story that I like, I'm going to read that book more than once. It, it just without fail, it never, it always happens. And, and the take is one of my most favorite books. So I always recommend that to people. Um, well, you're welcome. Um, uh, will we see changes in Simon as you now are finishing the fourth book? Will we see him, maybe get a girlfriend who becomes steady? Will we see any major changes, do you think? Because isn't that important when you do a series character to have that character change along with the location? Pam, that's, that's a, a great question. It's like you're reading my mind because <laughs> in book four, in book four, Simon, the book I'm writing now, which is titled Once a Thief, you know what that means? Once a thief, dot, 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 always a thief. Right. Simon right. kind of gives in to the demons of his past. And this, is, this book is, goes, he goes dark. He goes to the, he goes to the dark side, you know, uh, and he, he's a bad boy, and, and he does some very bad things. So he kind of falls apart and, and goes back to his criminal ways. Um, and so it's very fun to write because, boy, he's a bad guy. <laughs> But so yeah, he's he a bad guy. It does. It does. And it, now I'm even more excited. Hurry up and finish and get me the new book, okay? <laughs> Let's talk about the palace. Um, will you please give the elevator pitch? Take your time. It's a long elevator. And tell listeners what the palace is about. Sure, my pleasure. Uh, the palace is about, opens up when, uh, um, exactly, the book actually opens with a great scene where Simon Risk has been given the task of stealing back a famous Monet painting that was stolen from a Dutch museum 20 years earlier. And uh, he's, he's in a kind of enclosed environment, and, he, and he's able to steal it, and we find out he's actually on a boat. And not only does he have to steal the painting, he has to get off this boat in the middle of the, of the ocean, right off the coast of, of Cannes, 
And having done that, um, he returns home only to find that his oldest friend from his banking days has been arrested and thrown in jail for extortion and blackmail uh, in Bangkok at one of the horrific, you know, really scary, right. hot, stinky, crowded Thai jails. And so Simon sets off on the quest to, to, to free his friend. And it turns out his friend uh, used to work for a very kind of shady financial outfit in Switzerland, and he has stolen some information that, that might reveal uh, the kind of the, the shenanigans or the illegal activities this, this outfit was up to. And not only does Simon have to help his friend get out of jail, but he has to recover this information. And as he does so, of course, a conspiracy unfolds and kind of everything goes south. And before long, Simon finds himself on the run across Far East Asia with the police forces of several countries, not to mention uh, a terrorist organization basically after him. And uh, he has to use his wits and the help of a intrepid uh, and beautiful reporter for the London Times. Her name is actually London Lee. And the help of a, of a beautiful and, and smart Mossad, former Mossad agent named Danny Pine to help get hmm. to the bottom of this conspiracy. Interesting. Um, it is a fascinating book, and it was really, it, it just is action-packed. It doesn't stop. So even when the players are kind of at rest, you're still wondering what's going on, what's going on, what's going on. It's so it's beautifully written. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate it. You, um, you've had a chance to walk in the footsteps of your characters, haven't you? In the actual location. Yeah. That was the goal when I was writing the palace that I wanted to kind of travel the world and write the book where the story was taking place. And I hope that, that you find when you're reading the palace, the, the sections in Bangkok and Malaysia and Singapore, that you really can close your eyes and you are there. Uh, I try to bring that kind of sense of atmosphere to all my novels, but especially with this one, since I was on site. Wow. Um, do you, you have the travel bug, do you? A little bit of wanderlust? I have the travel bug big time and uh, I always love traveling. Uh, spent a lot of time overseas as a kid. And now that you know, I have two wonderful daughters, they're both uh, out of high school and, and pursuing careers and in college. And so I'm able to travel kind of at will. And, uh, and so that's what I do. That's what I do. I was How actually wonderful. in Bolivia early this year. Uh, I got caught on the quarantine with my daughter. She was down there doing an internship. And I got caught, and we spent seven weeks together in, in Santa Cruz de la Sierra, Bolivia, and loved it. <laughs> How about well, you know that's that's turning it uh, lemons into lemonade, right? When you get stuck someplace, and you end up having a good time, and especially with your when you're with family, uh, a child in particular, uh, no matter how old they are, that's a great memory. Chris, will you tell everyone where they can find you on the web and your social media? Sure. Well, I'm at uh, of course I'm on Facebook at Christopher Reich. In the Christopher Reich, I think, professional page. Um, I'm on Instagram at Christopher Reich Books or hashtag Christopher Reich Books. Uh, I think, is that covered? Facebook, Instagram. And then I'm at my website, is of course www.christopherreich.com. And it's a great website, by the way, folks. It's clean. It's easy to use. Um, you get the information you need and a couple of really funny stories about Christopher and, um, and some upcoming events. Do you have anything coming up virtually for this launch for this book? I have tomorrow at 
I think, uh, 4 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Central, uh, 7, 7 p.m. Eastern, a virtual event with the bookstore Murder by the Book in Houston, oh, one yeah. of the great uh, independent stores, which I always love visiting, is. but of course can only visit virtually this time. Yes, I know. It's sad. Well, enj- I hope that you enjoy your your virtual tour at Murder by the Book. It's a, got a, an amazing <laughs> reputation. And thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Christopher Reich um, the, is the Palace listeners. I hope you go and get this. You will not be disappointed, I promise you. Um, and uh, find me on my on my uh, Facebook page, and maybe I'll gift you an ebook of Christopher's. So Chris, thank you so much for being with me. It has truly been a pleasure talking to you. Pam, thank you. A pleasure. Likewise. Thank you so much. And you take care. Be safe. Bye-bye. Thanks for being with me, listeners. And thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later.